Welcome to The Well, a podcast all about living wisely and faithfully as a follower of Christ. The goal? To give you guidance, food for thought, and to encourage you as you engage the people and situations that you encounter daily. Now, here's your host, Sean Barkley. Well, here we are back again in the saddle. It's been a while. Some of you, I'm guessing, probably didn't think that the well was going to come back, but it's back. I'd like to say it's back and better for better than ever. The reason I took a little hiatus was uh, two. One, I got to blame my wife. I mean, you have to blame someone, and she's not sitting here next to me, so I can blame her. Uh, I wanted to do a podcast with her, and she was not fully on board for a week in and week out podcast. And so I thought, well, maybe that's just a little sign that I need to take a break. And then I've got a couple other projects I've been working on with a couple other groups. One is called Elemental Churches, and I've had a good time working with them, doing some uh, consulting, and that kind of took my attention away from this podcast. But I heard from several of you that you actually missed it. And that just warms my heart and makes my day. And so here we are. We're back again. It's Halloween, beautiful day here in southwest Ohio. I'm sitting in my office thinking about tomorrow morning, thinking about uh, you, and thinking about this election that will be held on Tuesday. And I want to talk about bold faithfulness in a season such as this. And we're going to be studying Acts chapter 4. But just to kind of tee up our conversation, let me ask you an easy question. Who have been your spiritual mentors in your life? So I can think of some of my spiritual mentors and I'm sure you can as well, people who encouraged you, who challenged you, who gave you new insights, who helped you understand yourself, who taught you about the gospel. And what was it about that person that made him or her such a powerful person in your life? Was it their brashness? Was it their aggressiveness? Was it their bitterness? Was it their anger? Or was it their honesty and their humility and their Christ-likeness? My hunch is most of us have had our faith stirred and shaped by people who were Christ-like, who were boldly faithful, but not in a way that our culture thinks about boldness. When our culture thinks about boldness, we think about, uh, again, aggression. We think about intimidation. And that is not the way of Jesus. And I want to talk about that with you for the next, oh, let's say 10 or 15 minutes. How you can I be boldly, you and I can be boldly faithful in a way that is not intimidating, that's not over the top, because we know that we're seeing a lot of aggressive and intimidating rhetoric right now in our culture. We're hearing it from those who are running for office at various levels. We're hearing it from their supporters. We're hearing it from the rank and file. We all these keyboard warriors who are Um, aggressively promoting their worldview and their perspective online. And I just want to say that those folks are not my hero. (laughs) I do not find anything inspiring in that type of behavior. What I do find inspiring is hearing from people who are living their lives in a very honest and humble way, who are speaking truth, who are direct, who listen, who engage. Those are the folks that are impacting the way I live and impacting some of the decisions that I make. And so we have a great example of bold faithfulness that we find in Acts chapter 4, the story of Peter and John. You'll you'll remember that they're out there doing ministry, they get arrested, and they appear before 
oh, the uh, Sanhedrin, uh, you know, the, the temple guard and the Sadducees, and they are um, aggressively instructing Peter and John to knock it off. Just cut it out. Uh, we don't want to hear from you, and um, we don't want you doing the, the work of the gospel. And of course, Peter and John basically say, now listen, who do you really want us to obey? Do you want us to obey you, or do you want us to obey God? And that's a, that is a great question. And then they follow up by saying, listen, we can't help but speak about what we have seen and heard in the gospel. And so you notice immediately that they've got this conflict with these powerful people. And what are they talking about? They're talking about the gospel. They're not talking about anything related to that person's position, that person's power, that person's wealth. They're not attacking that person personally in any way, manner, shape, or form. They're just saying, hey, we can't help but talk about the gospel. Well, they get thrown in jail, spend the night there. Next day, <laughs> they let them go. And the, the leaders of the, the temple basically say to Peter and John, okay, go ahead and go. Don't want to see you back here doing this kind of work in ministry any longer. And I want to pick up the story there. If you've got your Bible, it's Acts chapter 4, verses 23 through 25. So they are in great danger. And here's what we read in the story. Luke writes, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people. So they went back, back to their folks, their community and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard this, what'd they do? They raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, you made the heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them. What was their go-to? What was their default? What'd they do? They're in great danger. They're in this highly tense situation, and they immediately go to God in prayer. The temptation might have been to say, we've got to devise a plan to prevent this from happening again. We can't have you two getting arrested because much of this movement depends on you. Nope, prayer was their go-to. And so let's just step back and think about our own lives. As you and I face these difficult situations and this difficult season that we find ourselves in as a country, our go-to has to be prayer. And to trust and believe in the power of prayer. We can boldly proclaim God's truth and God's way only after we have spent time with Him in prayer, listening, having Him mold and shape our character, build our humility, teach us to listen, give us patience, and all those other gifts of the Spirit. The very first thing they did, again, was not to lash out, strike back, say an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. No, the very first thing they did, they went back and said, folks, we've got to pray about this. And notice what their prayer revealed. First of all, they referred to God as the sovereign God or sovereign Lord who made the heavens and the earth. And then later in their prayer, they say this, and I love this. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. And here, check this out, verse 28. They did what your power and your will had decided beforehand should happen. Oh my gosh. Isn't that amazing? They are saying, those human beings, they were merely your instruments, God. In other words, they had faith in God's sovereign will and God's sovereign power, even in the midst of all their suffering, 
even in the midst of everything they were going through. In other words, they're saying, Lord, we know you're in control. We know that you are working out your plan for the world. And even though things seem difficult at the moment, we are going to trust you. Oh, that's powerful. And again, as we do, we read the text and we step back. Let me ask you a question. How would your life look if you had the perspective that every struggle and every triumph in your life was being used by God to accomplish His mission? And how would your attitude be, or what would it be, if you and I understood that God was using the events that are happening around us, even events that we find troublesome, to accomplish His mission and His sovereign will? Again, He is saying, in the, they're saying in their prayer, we know that you decided beforehand what should happen. They are affirming the sovereignty of God. I read not too long ago a story about a Christian evangelist named Nick Vujicic. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. He's from Australia, and I've watched a couple of his speeches. He has been on TED Talks. He's been all over the world speaking. He is a marvelous speaker with an incredible story to tell. He was born with Tetra Amelia. And Tetra Amelia, one of the features of that syndrome is that he has no limbs, <laughs> no arms, and no legs. When he's 10 years old, he tried to commit suicide. Why? Why wouldn't you be depressed if that's your reality? But he said that he had a moment of grace in his life, and now he has spoken to millions about Jesus. He has a TED Talk with like 7 million views. You talk about a perspective. He sees everything that happens in his life as, as something that God can use to accomplish his mission. So you and I, often we try to fix things immediately. You know, we're, we're trying to make things right uh, without considering what God might be doing and what God might be teaching. Remember the story from the gospel. Jesus' buddy Lazarus passes away. He can go immediately and address uh, Lazarus' family. He could have gone immediately and maybe even saved Lazarus' life. Of course, he could have. He could do anything. What did he do? Rather, he took his time because he knew how the story ends. He knew that God would raise Lazarus from the dead. And so he saw that as a teaching opportunity. The very first thing they do, they pray. Then they have this wonderful faith in God's sovereign power and will. And you and I can speak boldly and faithfully when we realize God's in control. It's all His. And we are merely vessels. What else do we learn about their bold faithfulness in this passage? Well, let's go back to the text. Back to chapter 4, verses 25 and 26. Here you go. In their prayer, they say, God, you spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, David. And then they quote a psalm. Actually, it's psalm number 2. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain and the, the kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against His anointed one? You know what they're doing? They are praying God's word. As they prayed, they went directly to His word. You see, in many ways, our prayers are to be shaped by what God has already said. We understand who God is. We understand what God is doing. And so as you and I think about living boldly and faithfully in this season, we cannot do that apart from the Word of God. We have to know it. We have to commit it to memory. We have to immerse ourselves in it. I was reading a devotional not long ago on learning God's Word. And the author said, you know, God's Word informs His every move. 
He said, when I am fearful, I remember that the Bible has over 7,000 promises. And that reminds me of God's care. When I'm feeling impatient, like, God, we got to do this. we got to do it now. Something needs to happen. I remember that God has His perfect timing, and I learned that from His Word. When I'm feeling bitter or resentful, that God hasn't provided me with what I want for my life, I remember that God is wise and has a will for my life. When I'm feeling guilty, and we all feel guilty from time to time, I remember what God says in His Word, that Jesus has forgiven our sins, or God has forgiven our sins because of Jesus. When I'm feeling weak, I remember that God's power shows up in my weakness. In other words, I know God's Word, is what this devotional writer is saying. You and I can be prepared to encourage, to help, support, and to guide other people and to have an impact on the lives of the people around us when we are familiar with God's Word and when we have that right there with us. You, know, you think about people who rush into buildings uh, when there's a fire. You know, I, I, I've seen documentaries on first responders. They're not exactly sure what they're going to find in there, but when they get inside that building and they see the situation, they react because they've been trained. They have gone over this multiple times. They have been in those situations before, and so they can respond appropriately. And that's what you and I are called to do as we think about living boldly and living faithfully, especially with all that's going on in this world. Well, let's keep on going. I'm just rolling right through here. Let me turn the page in my Bible because now we're in chapter 5, verses 29 through 31. Those first disciples, those first apostles, again, they were able to be bold and faithful because they were inspired by Jesus. Check it out. After they, prayed, after they prayed, God gave them greater courage. And you know what happened? They went, out and got into, they went out and got into trouble again. And when they got in trouble again, here's what Peter said. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as Prince and Savior, that he might give repentance and forgiveness for the sins of Israel. And it's interesting to me that the word translated Prince here can also mean leader. He's our leader and Savior. It can mean captain. He's our captain and Savior. It can also mean hero, which is how the Greeks often used it. Because of what Jesus had done for them, they had the confidence to serve God boldly and take risks for others. He was their hero. He was their inspiration. And so who inspires you? In your life, who has inspired you to explore new things? Who has inspired you to attempt something new that perhaps seems beyond your ability? We are all inspired by someone, good or bad. What we're hearing here is they were inspired by Jesus. And when He becomes our hero, when he becomes our inspiration, then we can't help but to speak boldly and faithfully. We have to allow ourselves to be inspired by him. And one of the little side questions I'm going to ask in my Monday morning quarterback, which you can find at crestviewchurch.com. It'll be out on Monday morning. It's a kind of a recap of the Sunday sermon. Here's a question. What are you, what am I, inspiring in other people? One of the people who inspires me is a man named Dave. He encourages me. He helps me to see that we can, in fact, flourish in a difficult season as a church. 
And there are people in the church I serve and people online who inspire and encourage me. An inspiring person changes the way we look at ourselves and look at our circumstances. That's what Jesus did in the lives of those early apostles. When you and I allow him to be our inspiration, wow, then that boldness and that faithfulness cannot be far behind. And that's what God wants to do. And that's what he did in those early apostles. One more, and then we're done. I'm going longer, but you know, it's been like two months since we've done this. The, the last thing I see about those apostles was that they were generous. They were able to serve God faithfully and boldly in part because God gave them a willing and generous spirit. You go back to ch chapter 4 of Acts, verse 34. There were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned lands and houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as they had need. Mm. So as you and I consider those who have influenced our lives, who have been kind of our, our heroes, how many of those people were stingy with their time, or stingy with their resources, or stingy with their energy? Very, very few were stingy. Mm. No, God gives us this generous spirit, and when we have that generous spirit, then we can again boldly and faithfully proclaim His truth. The model of the early church was one of people willing to give of their stuff, their personal resources to serve other people. And I, I would just say this sort of as a, a practical takeaway. I believe generosity can be cultivated. I mean, I've seen it in my own life. Generosity can be prayed for and can be chosen. I mean, we can choose to be generous. If you think about just the, the sphere where you live, the arena where you live, there are opportunities to serve people every single day. Just do it. I mean, the, the church that I serve, we have a, a ministry to homeless folks. It starts, actually, we start it tomorrow night, November 1st. And there are opportunities for people in that church to sign up, to say, I'm going to bring food. I'm going to entertain the children. I'm going to spend the night at the church. Whatever the case, just sign up and do it. I mean, spend 20 seconds, go to a sign-up sheet or online, whatever, and respond. I mean, there's so many opportunities. We cultivate generosity. And so there you have it. If you are thinking about how can I be bold in my faithfulness in this crazy season, I'm going to circle back. The first thing we learn from the apostles is we go to God in prayer and pray that God will give us the heart of Christ. We also understand that God has everything in His sovereign will. You and I can boldly speak and faithfully proclaim His truth because we know how the story ends. We also can grow in our faithfulness and boldness if we know His Word because we're equipped to deal with everything that comes our way. When we're inspired by Jesus, that inspires us to be, again, bold and faithful and true. And also, when God gives us a generous spirit, where we're like, it's not about me, it's not about my resources, it's about how I can be of service to the people around me. <sighs> All right, we did it. Under 20 minutes. I hope you have a terrific weekend. Remember CrestviewChurch.com. You're invited to worship with us anytime. And until we meet again, you take good care.